everyone, and welcome to Speaking of the Arts. Today we are featuring the one and only Donnie McCaslin. Donnie made national headlines a few years ago when he worked with David Bowie on what would ultimately be Bowie's final album, Black Star. Since then, Donnie released the critically acclaimed album, Blow, and prior to the COVID shutdown, he regularly toured the United States, Europe, and Asia as the leader of his own high-energy band. On August 14th, Donnie released a new single called Reckoning, an emotional response to the recent months of heightened protests in the wake of increased racial violence. From the press release, while certain sections of the song channel anger and a sense of urgency, other sections reflect the possibility of hope for more positive and meaningful actions like those of the Black Lives Matter movement. McCaslin worked on the piece with Grammy-nominated producer, remixer, bassist, and composer Ben Rubin. Rubin used news coverage samples of recent protests at start and end, along with a DJ premiere-inspired boom-bap beat to set the song's focus. McCaslin laid down some of the saxophone and flute tracks through his phone, recorded in a closet, expressing his emotions in a raw, unfiltered setting. The track is available on your favorite streaming platform now, and I encourage listeners to check it out. It is Donnie's artistic reaction to the long history of injustice facing the Black community, and it is very timely. As always, thanks for listening, everyone. And now here's my conversation with Donnie McCaslin. Donnie, welcome to the show, man. Glad to be here, Mike. Good to see you. It's really good to see you. It's really good to see you. How's your family? My family as well. Thank, thank you. Uh, especially in this time, you know, with, with so many people dealing with the virus, we have been really fortunate so far to not have anybody contract a virus. And um, so we're, you know, doing what we can to stay as safe as possible and prepare for the next transition, you know, which is coming in September. Right, as far as schools and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. my children and school and, and so, and then myself is, is, is uh, I'll be teaching um, at the New England Conservatory and Manhattan School of Music and just trying to, you know, get clarity on what that's gonna look like and, and making sure I'm staying safe and keeping my family safe and the students, you know, all of that, uh, so it's more complicated than it was. Yeah, uh, just because I'm really curious um, what, it's so different for music students and I'm trying to imagine what this fall is gonna be like for them because a lot of times you just hear in the news, this school is going on a hybrid model or that school is doing completely remote or distance learning. Um, but as we all know from like music students, how do you, you can't do ensemble playing um, remotely, right? You can do, maybe you can do lessons, but how do they, what are some of the things they're going to do? Well, I think um, what I'm hearing is that, uh, that there'll be some ensembles that are remote and some that are in person. And, and as you can imagine, I think the ones that are in person are where they have the space to accommodate the social distancing guidelines and to keep that, you know, um, in play, you know, to, to have the right space for folks to be able to play, you know, safely. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so there will be there will there will be folks playing in person at both schools. Um, I, as I don't teach ensembles, I'm not totally in the all the details, but but I think, you know, whereas usually there's a two-hour ensemble, it's maybe going to be one hour, and then will happen, you know, more frequently. I, I, I'm assuming it's going to be something like that, um, so that they can keep the airflow happening in the room and, and the yeah. pressure. Um, and then I think in terms of the hybrid of, of, of ensembles being online, uh, that did start last semester. And, and I think, you know, uh, it's 
part of it can can look like people um, recording and adding tracks and like you know bringing bringing a song to its fruition you know through everybody recording their own part you know kind of a model and um, I think it can also be you know there's 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 the latency is the latency is the biggest issue that people deal with in, in terms of playing together online and I think uh, there's there's something there's a new uh, an interface that somebody was talking about the other day that sounded like it was even even quicker than Zoom. So that I assume is going to get better and better. Um, but but they've had some success with that. So I assume that might be something that folks use also to be able to play together remotely. So yeah, again, for both schools, uh, for ensembles, it's going to be a combination of in-person and online. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I think Christian McBride did a highlight for that on the on his NPR show. And I don't remember the name of the technology, but I, I was listening to a story about that that basically solves that issue, except it's limited by the distance. Yeah, it's on my phone. It's something like Jack or something. You know, yeah, but. yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's good that more people are using it because I don't know how else they would do it. Yeah, and, and I think, but I think the, the, what you touch on is, you know, this is the, a challenge for folks that are performance. You know, that, that this is such a big part of how you develop as a young musician that as a performer is playing with people and just logging hours uh you know learning how to interact listen adjust you know all those things and and it's hard to replace that because because you know for example if you're if you're you know just laying down tracks that is an art in and of itself but it does but you have more time to reflect and you know perfect your performance, whereas in, when you're in a room with folks, you're just in you're in the minute, having to adjust quickly, and that's an invaluable thing. And so that's even when you have an ensemble that's two hours, it's now going to be one hour or one hour twice a week, uh, for example. Um, I think what's important is that the hours still get accrued. In, in, a, in you know, if you can do that in a socially distant way, that's that's invaluable. I think because again for me that's that's a that's a big part of how you develop as a musician is playing with people yeah my heart goes out to all these music students that's yeah, gonna it's, be tough it's tough you know and there's there's two sides of it i mean on one hand i feel like you know yeah it's, it's so tough to be having to struggle with this kind of issue right now but on the other hand this is a good time to be in school in a way you know and not entering the workforce per se you know, but having, okay, I've got four years, I've got three years, I've got, you know, for an undergrad and, you know, for example, you know, because I think at the end for those folks, the situation where, you know, the infrastructure issues will be more sorted out two, three years from now than they will be in a year. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It really, then, then it's a question of the, the people who have just graduated. That's, it's a tough scene. And it's tough for all of them. Absolutely. But, but I really feel for the folks who have just graduated because, yeah. you know, it's just such a, such a tough, tough uh, dynamic one right now. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, good luck with all that. So, um, yeah, so, on so I'll just kind of date our, our conversation here. Today is Monday, and this past Friday, you released a new track called Reckoning. Yes. And I hope people listening to this have had a chance to hear it. If they haven't, it's available on your favorite, favorite streaming service now. Um, definitely check it out. And I would love to have you talk a little bit about the track, Donnie. Um, maybe to start with, where does the title come from? What does Reckoning mean? Well, I, I was uh, thinking a lot about uh, 
the situation we're, we're in, you know, and, and just the, um, well, you know, the racial inequality, you know, in, in, in our, in our country. And, and it's, it's, um, it's got to change. And I feel, and so the title reckoning really came from the idea that, you know, where where a true reckoning has to happen in terms of um, the history of, you know, race in our country and, and, and the ways that, that folks are marginalized um, that are not even on the surface and overt, but more like institutional and, and, you know, and it's, it's complex and I don't, uh, feel like I understand it all, but um, I feel like there has to be a true reckoning for us to really move forward in a way that that feels like it's a, le a more of a level playing field, you know. And and it just hasn't been that way for so long. And again, I, you know, I I don't fully understand it, especially coming from my own, you know, being being a, a white person, you know, and, and having privilege in ways that I don't even fully understand. You know, or I'm, or I'm coming to terms, or I'm starting to come to terms with it in ways that, that I didn't understand until, you know, this last, these last months with, with, with everything that's happened. And, and so, I, you know, part of it is me reckoning with my own, um, you know, inherent privilege that I was born into. And then, you know, really wanting there to be a, a, a larger reckoning with um, the, just all the ways that the insidious ways that this stuff manifests itself and, and wanting there to be change, you know, that, and, and it's so complex. And, and it's, I know it's not having one person in a position, you know, it's having a lot of really smart people who know how to deal with this stuff and who have a like mind to really honestly look at this and, 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 and to, try to, to try to deal with it. Because it's just, you look at the statistics, uh, you know, and, and for you know as one you know way of looking at this not even emotionally which is more how i process these things but you look at the statistics and it's just it's just it's just not right you know and 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 um so that's that's some of that's some of what that title means for me and this is the inspiration behind the piece you know i i was um just feeling emotional about it angry and 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 uh and started working on it and kept that sort of at the forefront of the creative process. And I partnered with Ben Rubin on this track and, and, and um, we were of like minds on this and, and, and we talked about this through the process and, and, and some of the samples that you hear on the track are samples of, uh, that Ben grabbed from the news, you know, from protests. Um, one in particular, there's a, uh, an African-American officer Yelling at a yelling at another officer, a white officer, to stop, you know, the excessive force he was using on, on in a situation where it was unwarranted. So um, that's kind of an overview of, of of where the title comes from. Yeah, thank you for that. It, so can I ask you this? Is it is it safe to say that in a way this is a certainly this is your artistic reaction to this horrible or these horrible situations, the George Floyd killing? And countless others, is it is it part reaction, but also maybe part? I don't know if it's the right word to use, but in a way, like honoring their memory. In a way, have you thought about it that way? I, I, that, as um, the the parts 
the anger is is anger that it feels like we live in a racist country still. And racist pervasive. Around that, then I think there's a feeling of hope, you know, in the song, and that's hope of the inspiration of seeing all the protests and and um, you know and that there's so many young people that are involved, that there are people across the demographic spectrum involved, and that um, I still have hope that we can move beyond this. And that might sound very, very uh, idealistic, you know, because I know it's real hard in ways that I can't imagine uh, to root this out, but, but, but um, that's, that's the duality that I see. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about just the context of this track and, and sort of the bigger picture for you as a, as a jazz musician, as a white jazz musician. And, and just some of my own humble experience real briefly after college and also as a music student, one of the things I personally always appreciated about being a jazz musician is, or was when I was performing, I was always sharing the bandstand with people of the opposite color. You know, always. Or some of my best memories, um, I was the only white person. And in particular, my parents used to live in Chicago when I was in college. I would come home from breaks and I had the opportunity to go to some of the um, jam sessions that were happening. This would have been around 2002, 3, 4 in those years. And there was two in particular. There was, and they were both in the south side of Chicago. And one was um, uh, Von Freeman, the Von Freeman New Apartment Lounge. Yeah. The late great Chicago saxophonist, and then there was another one called the Velvet Lounge, and it was you know very often um, I wouldn't just be the only white person on the bandstand; I would probably be the only white person at the at the at the bar at the club, and I was always welcomed, like completely welcomed. I never once was made to feel like I didn't belong there, and that really hit me hard. That memory really hit me hard when um, these recent horrible killings happened because I just it made me think about white privilege. It made me think about my own experience with the black community. And it's always been with open arms. And why is it so horrible the other way, you know? And it's, it's just, um, it's, it's, it's equally infuriating and just heartbreaking that, oh, unfortunately, a lot of the country still feels that way towards the black community. It, it's just, I think, it, I think one of the things that I struggle with too is, um, okay, like, yes, I absolutely want change. And then the question kind of becomes like, what can I do, you know? And so when I'm so glad you put this track out because I, I think at the very least, it's going to raise more awareness and conversation and maybe in our own, you know, small corner of the universe within the arts, maybe there's a lot we can do um, to level the playing field. I know on my side of the table, certainly, um, you know, uh, in the, on the business side of things, it's sad, but um, people of color are in the minority in some of these higher up positions I've seen, right? Whether you're talking about promoters or, or even agents or whatever. Um, so that begs the question, what are the hiring policies for all that, you know? So I guess this is a long-winded way of saying, you're, you know, your track alone, I think hopefully would spark more conversation to create more equality in our industry. Mm. Well, I would like to be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. <laughs> to sort of echo this Joe Henderson, uh, there was a Joe Henderson song years ago. If you're not, I think it's if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And um, you know, I, I feel like I, I also want to do whatever is I have I have 
needs to do to 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 be a, to be an agent of change and and uh, you know because it's just you know it's just so heartbreaking and and it's so infuriating and and just totally unfair and 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 it's so pervasive and 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 uh, it's got to stop you know yep. so, um, I you know I, I need to also educate myself more about well what are the you know where where should I be giving you know when I have the ability to um, you know is it the ACLU is it the you know and, and I need to do work on all of that um, and, and just try to find find ways to, 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 to do the right thing. Right, right. I guess just one other point about the, this track for you as a jazz musician, um, it just goes without saying, right? Jazz is originally America's true original black art form, mm. right? And mm. so for you as a white musician, a white jazz musician, um, to have developed this track within that historical context, I think also says a lot about this music and the power that it has to sort of bridge, um, you know, bridge the divide, if you will, right? Yeah. You know? I, it's, uh, I was talking about this the other day. I, you know, I've spent my whole life uh, really idolizing so many African-American artists. Totally. I mean, you know, we could just sit here and talk for hours about the incredible depths of um, beauty they have brought to all to, to to our society, you know, with this this gift of art. And so, um, I, you know, I, could, I I just so grateful to all those musicians. And then, of course, thinking about how you know the obstacles that they've had to they had to overcome, you know, in their own period dealing with racism. You know, it's a long long, long list um, of, you know, Thelonious Monk, Duke Ellington, I mean, it's, and it's, there's just so much to talk about there, but that they were, it's incredible that so many artists were able to, you know, endure that kind of abuse and still, you know, express their self, themselves through, through this art form, and, and, and it's incredible, it's an incredible art form, and, um, you know, I'm just grateful to be a part of it and to, and to have, you know, been able to be exposed to this music as a young kid and, and, and have these incredible experiences um, listening and, you know, interacting with, with musicians that, are, that are, you know, African-American musicians who have lived a life that I can't even under, totally fully understand in some ways. Right. Have to go through. Right. I think um, just thinking about my own perspective too, um, which is hope, hopefully my my eyes have been really opened like in a big way about all this and just that we still have such a long way to go. But just to relate it back to what you were just talking about, some of the great, great African-American um, artists who have had to endure. I was recently rereading Miles Davis's autobiography, you know, and there's a part in it where he talks about the first time he went to Europe. Um, and I, I, it might have been France or, you know, Paris or whatever and how he was treated for the first time in his life with um, respect and um, recognition as an amazing artist and, and all these things which he had never experienced in his own country, right? And that's just one example of a long line of history of, of um, black artists who have had to deal with that. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, like you said at the beginning, like for us as, as white people, it, it is something that we don't really, uh, we can't really understand, 
right? And so I think to acknowledge it is, is of course, an important, an important first step, but, um, and just realizing too how much further there is to go, for sure. Yeah, and what, and what can we do, you know, to make that change happen? And it's hard to imagine what that kind of <clears throat> exclusion, what, you know, what racism or, you know, how that affects your psyche when it's, when it's constant, you know, when it's all these subtle ways that we can't, you know, <clears throat> can't even really appreciate because we've never had to walk in their shoes. And right. I mean, I just, I had a memory one time I was, I was in Poland and I was, I was with a couple of friends of mine in the band who were, who were African-American who were walking down the street and people were just like staring at us, you know, and it wasn't at me, <laughs> you know, it was, and I, I remember saying like, man, is this, is this, happen to you guys all the time like yeah you know and 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 that you know it's not like people were staring giving us dirty looks or anything but but i just that, that's just such a small example of of something that you know how does that affect somebody's psyche and a community psyche when that's happening all the time in all these different ways right. um and i don't answer but but necessarily but but that you know i just feel like we, we all have to do our part, you know, to, to, to make this change. Yeah. So the track has only been out for a few days. I'm curious, what has the reaction been like thus far? Have you? Um, I'm not somebody, I haven't been, I'm not checking my social media or comments necessarily to, to see. Uh, I, but, you know, people have reached out to me and it's been, been overwhelmingly positive so far. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, well, I've got uh, some other questions for you to maybe go in a different direction. Um, is there anything else about Reckoning we didn't cover that would be worth mentioning to people who are listening? Um, well, I mean, it's something that was developed in quarantine, you know, and written, uh, you know, since the pandemic has taken hold. So um, it was something where I was tracking in a closet initially in my phone, you know, and working with Ben Rubin, who, has a, who, has, who I mentioned earlier, who's in Brooklyn and, and sending files back and forth. Um, so, you know, one thing that's different about this uh, than, than the other music I've, I've, I've recorded over the years is that, that this is just really just the two of us. And, 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 you know, Ben used the 808 to create the drum beat and was very inspired by DJ Premier. And, um, you know, the piano stuff and the bass stuff is all, were all things that I uh, sequenced uh, that Ben flushed out into uh, a fuller sound and he manipulated the sound. So it was, you know, a real different process. And eventually I, I did go into the recording studio um, to record the lead sax uh, with, a, with, with a different, you know, with a little bit more of a, <laughs> sort of, you know, a little more of a professional setup or whatever, but, you know, because instead of my phone, we were recording, you know, you know proper mic and preamp and all but um but it was it was it was um obviously a different way to to to, to create a track uh with everything that's happening but um but really rewarding and 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 and, and ben did a great job and we just having this sort of a constant back and forth about um about how the track was developing yeah sounds great well that's that's a good segue to some of the things i was going to ask you um, about your experience during quarantine and the pandemic in general. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't have to tell you how drastically it's changed our industry. But maybe to start, um, 
What has surprised you most about how you've handled the pandemic, both professionally and personally? Well, I would say that, um, hmm, I would say that what has surprised me the most about how I've handled it, um, I think the, the initial, when, we, when it initially started happening, um, I was very focused on what I wanted to get accomplished artistically, and that, and that was a lot of composition. Uh, reckoning being one of these things that came, although not at the very beginning. I had some other things I was working on uh, writing, and that lasted for a, a lot longer than I uh, had anticipated. So that was a surprise. I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll, this will roll for a week or two, and then I'll be suddenly feeling lost and trying to find my way. But, but that lasted for a couple months, uh, roughly, where I felt pretty focused and um, felt like I was making progress on the composition front, especially. Um, and then I think once that ran its course, you know, it, it got back into um, uh, that dynamic where, you know, struggling for focus, then you have focus and, you know, what, what am I working on? And, and, and there's, on one hand, there's composition and on the other hand, it's working on, on the instrument. And how do I keep both of those things happening and, and stay inspired and all that? So, um, but in terms of the most inspiring, the most surprising thing I would say was the, the, the long duration that I had that did feel focused at the outset. And, and I, you know, looking back on it, I think it's because the last, um, you know, three, four years, have, I feel like I've been going nonstop in one fashion or the other. It's been kind of one thing to the next and a lot of great things. But um, I have had this feeling of, man, I wish I had more time to write. And then suddenly I got it, you know, within the context of, of living a family life and, and having my children and overseeing their education online. And you know, there's a lot of, it wasn't just that I suddenly had 24 hours a day to write. I have a lot of other things going on, but I suddenly had a lot more, uh, but I suddenly actually did have more time to write. And so, so, um, so that I was grateful for that, you know, period. And, um, you know, since then, uh, there's sort of been ups and downs, but, but, but I think, um, Reckoning has been was was a real point of focus. Um, once that materialized, and we started making headway on that, and then I have um, various other songs that are in different stages of development, all that have been happening over the last few months. Um, a couple mixes got finished of songs that that I've been working on for the last year, and then there's there's newer songs that are that are in their demo phase, and some that are in the middle. So um, this whole while just trying to keep that progress happening um, and that's that has been, been moving forward um, so you know making the best of it it's it's obviously a hard situation um, um, it's a hard situation yeah absolutely I mean nobody knows when it'll be over so to speak but I think the thing that a lot of people are wondering is um, you know, what will things be like when we can all be together again, right? And we know it'll be different, but I mean, I guess I'm curious to hear from you just again, thinking about the last four or five months, um, once we get the all clear, whenever we do, what are some things that are gonna be really important to you that you, you bring forward with you into that? And then conversely, what'll be important that you don't bring with you? Like, is there anything that you're like, okay, I'm done with that and I'm not, you know, I, I'm clear about that. Right, right. Well, I guess, you know, 
I think like so many people, I will feel um, really happy to be able to be in front of an audience and play music, you know? And I think um, program, programming wise, I've had more time to reflect on um, what my shows looked like the last few years. And um, again, things were happening so quickly you know, I maybe wasn't always able to be quite as thoughtful, perhaps, or reflect. I wasn't able to reflect a lot because things were just constantly happening. Um, so I think I've had more time to reflect now. So I think that that'll show. That's something I can bring to to when when live performances start again. You know, really thinking um, after having reflected on what's happened. You know, what what do I want to change about the presentation? Um, can I interrupt? Can I ask, like, what, what might be an example of that that you would change? Well, um, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, with, the, you know, the larger group I have with, with singing and guitar and keyboards and, you know, we, it tends to be loud and it tends to be intense and, and that's a reflection of the music. Um, but, but I think with this period that we're living through, you know, the music that's going to come out of this is, is going to be a little different, you know, and I think that will be an element, but I, I still, I think, you know, for example, there might be, you know, some, some much more, um, you know, thematic um, lyrical pieces that emerge in the music that I start to present after this, as, as it might be a reflection of what's been happening. So um, I see, I see that as something that can change, you know, the way that I present music and also, you know, my love of acoustic music. Um, I haven't been doing much of that the last four or five years and, and um, had actually done a tour right before the, the, the um, uh, lockdown started happening that was with Trio, that was so much fun. So I think, you know, there could be some more acoustic manifestations of, you know, of, of my artistic thing could happen within these sets that are electronic or acoustic things happening in and of themselves. So I, I just think more, um, pacing, you know, I, I get, you know, what, what am I trying to say here? I think, I think more, more thoughtful pacing will happen. Um, of, of the actual set of music or? Yeah, yeah. And well, it's kind of a reflection of the new music that I'm writing, which is, which has that aspect. Not so much reckoning, of course, <laughs> you know, other, other stuff um, based on what I've been listening to and inspired by. Okay, that's, that's interesting. So, um, yeah, you, you alluded to having kind of gone through a lot of writing. Well, actually, you, you flat out said that um, at the beginning of this um, lockdown, you you were sort of in a prolific stage of writing. Does that mean for your fans who are listening, um, do you have plans to put out a full album in the next 12 to 18 months? Do you see yourself putting out a couple tracks periodically? What are your, yeah, what are you thinking about that? Yeah, I'm not quite sure on, um what the format is going to be. You know, it could be a full length album. It could be a couple tracks. It could be an EP. It could be all of that. I think the, you know, it'll, it'll depend on how these things end up when they get to the end, when they get to the um, finish line. And, you know, and part of it is this reckoning being the exclusion since that's something that is done now and out, but all this other music hasn't been recorded yet. So I'm actually thinking now about how to record it in a way that makes sense. Um, and so I think once that, it, all that stuff is further along, um, I'll be ready to put something out. 
So the short answer is yes, there will be new music in the next year, year and a half, uh, or, or sooner. The question is what format, how's it gonna look? And, I, and I'm just not clear yet, but I'm not really concerned so much about that right now because I'm more concerned with like finishing the songs. Definitely. Well, I mean, for what it's worth too, like I wouldn't, if, if there was some way I could have heard Reckoning and not known it was during this time in history where you had to be isolated to produce it and record it and everything, I wouldn't have known you had, you were isolated. You know, like I, there's no, aside from the fact that um, you're doing some things on it that I haven't really heard you do before, I would not have known this was a completely, you know, like you were talking about having to sequence things in the closet. <laughs> like I wouldn't have known any of that. So um, I, I don't know if I have a question from this other than just, you know, an observation, which is like, oh, um, one thing that a lot of people ask me, just friends that ask me who are not in the music industry, you know, they, everybody seems to comment, oh, well, I, I bet this is a really creative period for artists is what I keep hearing. And, um, and, and that is certainly true. Like I, you're seeing a lot of artists do things because of the circumstances that they might not have done. Mm. Um, so I just, yeah, again, I don't know if I have a specific question from that other than just thinking, uh, I really like what you came up with for Reckoning. I like that it's um, really, I mean, understandably from the context, it's very edgy. Um, it's a statement, totally. But um, yeah, I just, I, I suppose if I, if, if there's a question from that, then maybe it's how would that experience in, inform your recording process going forward, knowing that you can produce something so artistically powerful in very unconventional circumstances. Well, thanks, and I appreciate that. And I, I think the thing, uh, there's two things that come to mind. And one is that, you know, it's kind of liberating in a way to have this play out this way and to feel like the like the uh, final song doesn't necessarily sound like it's something that was, you know, done under restriction of, of one sort uh, or the other. So for that, that that's exciting because it means I can start, I can, you know, I could do more of this and, and it's a leaner way to produce music, you know, leaner but way to produce music. So, so that's certain, that's certainly something I certainly think about. But you know, I'd also say, you know, I've heard that too. You know, this is such a prolific time for artists, and and I think that's true. But I think it's also balanced with, but it's also a really challenging time because you know, artists, musicians, composers, you know, these people are dealing in the emotional world and, and a lot of us dealing with, you know, touring as their main source of income. I mean, so I, I think on one hand, yes, there's all this time to compose, but what, but there's the other side of like, but what is happening to the industry and, and how are people gonna make a living? How are people gonna survive between now and 12 or 18 months from now? And, and you know, that's tough. And so what's, what's the sort of mental health side of it? You know, and I, I think that's, that's got to be a challenge. You know, I think for most folks I talk to, it's not like a straight line of like, yeah, I'm doing great. I have all this time to write. I've written this. I mean, I know that's happening, but at the same time, I think it's also, there's a real struggle with people who are, who are um, trying to survive, you know? Yeah. And that's not to be um, taken lightly considering how so many musicians and stuff live you know, uh, I, the, you know, month to month or whatever is maybe, but you, you know what I mean by that? Like so, so many of us live like we're 
you know, we well, it's kind of gig to gig. Gig, right? So suddenly the gigs are gone, and then there's unemployment. But then the federal situation is, you know, so it's so. So I think it's also like, man, how you know, how is everybody going to deal with this, survive this economically and you know, spiritually, mental health wise, you know, you know, kind of navigate through this tr tricky period. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. Well, and also it's worth mentioning too that um, on the one hand, like you've put out this incredibly powerful and great track, but just for people who aren't aware, who maybe have forgotten, you're not gonna see much money from it through Spotify. And that's the main source of opportunity for people to listen to it. So I think about that a lot too. And that was true way before the pandemic. I mean, that's been true for 10 years or more. Right. So, you know, that's something I think a lot about too, is like you, when you personally, whether it's one track or a full album, invest so much time and energy and money into this, you know, the, into your craft, into this um, final product, if you will. And no, but knowing that, you know, you're not going to see much by way of royalties from it you're going to make money from touring um, and selling CDs at the, at the, at the show, which of course you can't do now. So that has to make it hard too. That's, that's, that's part of that, you know, the difficult dynamic that we're in right now. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And I don't think most people really make that connection, you know? Right. I don't, I, you know, the casual fan, I mean, I don't know if they, they are really aware of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, at this, the, for the, for the vast majority of artists, they will not see much, by way of income from streaming, they just won't. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's worth mentioning for sure. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, before we started recording, I, I I asked if it would be okay for me to ask you a, a David Bowie question, and you kindly said, "Yeah, of course." So um, you know, people can read all the interviews you've done over, over the past three or more years um, about your experience with Bowie. So I, I, my question, um, and, and maybe you have been asked it before, but it's um, something I'm really curious to hear from you is, you know, you, you've had the great fortune in your career to work with a lot of amazing artists. And of course, Bowie is a standout one. So, so if you had to kind of boil it all down to a couple of fine bullet points, what was it about him that made him so different from all the others? in the studio or, or when you were working with them? What was, what like was so different? Well, I think um, part of it was he was, it was his total commitment to realizing his artistic vision without compromise. Mm. And letting, what, do mean, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, letting, letting the music be what it was without trying to over control it. Like, like surrounding himself with people that he trusted and letting them do what they do without micromanaging it you know, and just, just letting it, you know, kind of happen within this framework that he created and um, articulating to people that he essentially wanted them to feel free to try whatever they wanted to try. And, and, and uh, so I think it was that, that ability to, you know, recognize, for him, recognizing people who he felt like could, could uh, realize what, what he had in mind and then also um, letting him, you know, giving them the freedom to do it within this, this, this framework that he set of these great songs. So um, I, I to me, that's, you know, I've seen that, of course, and experienced that and have, have tried to live that my own prior to, try, prior to working with them. But um, there was something really powerful about, about that experience with him and him, his leadership in that sense and, and his trust, um, 
you know, it was, it was beautiful. And I think also just his, um, his authenticity, you know, and, and, and his, uh, when we were together, totally present uh, in the moment and, and um, engaged in everything that was happening. Um, and in a way that was peaceful, the word peaceful comes to mind, you know, he was, he was engaged, but, but not, um, uh, but it was very authentic. That's what it is, authentic engagement in the moment. Um, and I really appreciated that. And, and again, something that I've striven for, um, but seeing him live that out, when we, when we worked together and we were in the studio was really inspiring. Would you say any of that influenced the way you approached Reckoning or some of your most recent material? But I'm just using Reckoning as an example. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 um, I do feel that um, that reinforced those values, you know, that, that uh, in a big way that I've had. And, and so, so it did. And, and, and um, I guess, you know, I'm not thinking so much about genre, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about where is the music leading me? What, you know, what, when, where am I feeling led by, by the music and, and reckoning, reckoning is an example of that, you know, where, where um, I'm not thinking of it in terms of so much in terms of genre or this or that, it's just like, this is the music, this is the statement and, and working and working and working and working and working at it until it feels like, it's, it's gotten to that place where you feel like it's representing uh, what you're trying to say. And I feel like that's something that he, again, exemplified, you know, when we were recording, um, my understanding was, um, you know, he was, the, after the studio, he would, he would sometimes go and work on um, Lazarus, the off-Broadway play, and then at night, we'd be back at his place, and he was listening to what we'd recorded, and then we'd come in the next morning to start again. So he was, you know, he was, he was working at it and, and um, totally engaged in the, in the creative process, which I appreciate. And, and that's, you know, something that, that I, I try to live. Absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Sure. It's really great to hear it. Um, well, what else? You um, have talked a little bit about some of the other things you're working on. I mean, I was gonna kind of close our conversation by just having you uh, maybe talk about some of the things that are coming down the pipeline, but you kind of already did that. Is there anything else uh, we should cover? <laughs> I don't know. Um, nothing really comes to mind. I mean, I'm just, uh, you know, one thing that's been um, that I've appreciated about having more time is having more time to listen to music. And uh, for years, I felt like I just had, didn't have enough time to really delve into records as much as I wanted to. But I've been doing that and listening to a lot of great music, which has been inspiring. And, and who are some of the people you've been listening to? Oh, it's just all over the place, all over the spectrum. Um, yesterday, I was listening to a new uh, David Benny Kenny Wallace and duo record called Basu that came just came out. That sounds great. Um, Genevieve Artadi's new record, listening to the other day. Um, yeah, I was listening to that too, actually. And Luciana Souza's new, new record with um, Vince Mendoza and the WDR band is killing, so great. Uh, I was listening a little bit to Maria Schneider's new record, uh, which, is, which is killing, uh, Data Lords. Uh, yeah. Some of, the, some of that. You know, Your playing on that is pretty great too. Oh, thank you, man, thanks. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and a chance in that, in that, in that um, case, you know, it's a chance for me to sit back and listen to the music 
as a listener, you know, instead of being in the bandstand or the sax section or whatever, you know, a chance to just hear the overall thing, you know, um, which, which, which is really fun to do. Um, what else have I been listening to? Uh, those are the top sort of five things the last few days. Um, and that, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just continuing to work on new music and, uh, and, and, and excited, excited about where it's leading. Awesome, awesome. Well, Donnie, thank you so much for your time today and for talking to me. And, you know, again, just want everybody to, who's listening to this to check out the track Reckoning. Uh, really, really powerful artistic statement from you. And uh, thank you for making it. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Mike. All right, take care, say hi to the family. Yeah. And I hope, I hope I can see you soon. Absolutely.